0: What if we told you that whiskey and vodka weren't just for drinking it's true jason and erica owners of distilled bath and body created pit liquor you heard me right pit liquor it's an all-natural deodorant that actually works ramona found pit liquor online and now says she's a customer of theirs for life pit liquor is wonderful they saved my under up number 28 under us for me so I definitely love them and will be a customer as long as it keeps the smells I guess, away. Pit Liquor has no harmful chemicals or toxins and doesn't have any ingredients you wouldn't find in grandma's kitchen. I came across Pit Liquor online on Instagram. I saw an ad advertising no baking soda used in their product. So the difference between Pit Liquor and other natural deodorants is I do not stink. I tried several several different brands and either I end up with an itchy rash or it doesn't last. But pit liquor for me lasts all day. Pit liquor's risk free guarantee should put your mind at ease. Head to pitlicker.com and use the promo code number one fan to save 11% and have it shipped straight to your home. That's hashtag one fan. It's fun. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go.
1: Joined by a special guest Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off—I've yeah. never seen that
2: before. You should have taken a charge on him. <laughs>
1: A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was
0: good? We was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He turns out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark.
1: Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by Inwego, the subscription that can always get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wind here, Christian Clark is to my left, he's back at action after a quick one-day hiatus. Thursday night edition of the program, here's what we'll do today, we'll give our final thoughts on this Spurs game, Nuggets lost 111-103 the other night in San Antonio, then we'll look ahead to what to expect Friday, when the two teams meet again for a little home-and-home series, got some interesting insight from a couple Nuggets players and coaches Thursday morning after practice in terms of how they're approaching this rematch with the Spurs just 48 hours later. So thought we could talk about that a little bit more, but I laid out some of my thoughts when I recorded a post-game podcast Wednesday night after this Nuggets loss to the Spurs, what, their 12th straight in San Antonio. Unbelievable how tough it is to play there, especially for this Nuggets team, really no matter who's in uniform for the Spurs. What were some of your general thoughts on this one? Well, before we get into that,
3: I just want to hit you with a hypothetical or ask you a hypothetical. What do you think would happen to Marco Bellinelli if he attempted a jump shot straight up and down? His percentages will
1: definitely drop like double digits. He's only good fading away. I know what you mean.
3: Yeah, I, I've got two theories Either he would just evaporate into a puddle Or the Leaning Tower of Pisa would snap into place Yeah, I'd go with the second one I'd go with something Italian there I, I feel like he, he might have made a deal With the basketball gods When he was a small child That said, you can you can have this great jump shot But you can never jump straight up and down Or else you'll lose your powers He just got a little European-Italian flair to him That's all Yeah, have you ever seen that, uh, that GQ cover he did? Yeah Yeah, Google that one, you guys yeah. Just not a workman. Do, do you Google that one a lot? Oh, it's on my vision board at home. <laughs>
1: All right. What do you think about this game? Uh, Other than Marco Bellinelli, who you seemingly can't get out of your mind 24 hours after the fact.
3: I just respect his commitment to only jumping at a 45-degree angle when he goes up for a jumper. Um, uh, Bellinelli, thoughts aside, we could just just do a whole separate Bellinelli pod if you want. Um, you wrote... About this in your Golden Nuggets piece, you talked about it, but I mean, the number one thing that sticks out is the way the San Antonio Spurs defended Nikola Jokic. It was just a great game plan from them. Jokic, I actually thought he played a pretty good game, but Denver was not ready for that.
1: You say they're not ready, yet, Mike Mullen at practice Thursday morning. Came down pretty hard and pretty firm on the fact that they knew exactly what San Antonio was going to do to him. Huh. They knew they were going to double Nikola Jokic. They were going to double him, triple team him. The second he put the ball on the floor, they'd swarm with defenders in the paint, which is exactly what they did. He maintained Thursday morning that they knew exactly what the Spurs were going
3: to do. It's just they didn't execute. Yeah. I mean, they shot the heck out of it from three point range. They, they went 18 of 40 from three, 45%. I mean, most nights when you hit eighteen threes in a game, you're gonna win. They they didn't make very many of their twos. I I guess that was kind of the the issue there, right? You know, I I do wonder if you know the the Nicole Jokic Mason Plumley combo has been really good for Denver. The, the The idea that that's not a good combination for them that's that's long been dispelled. But I do wonder if the Spurs are gonna continue to play this way. Maybe going small with with Wancho at the four is possibly a better formula for Denver just to get some more shooting and spacing around Jokic if we are going to throw two or three defenders at him? It's tough. I agree.
1: It's definitely a predicament here, especially going into Spurs and back-to-back games. You got to think that San Antonio is going to deploy the same strategy, and I was actually curious what the Nuggets thought about that if they would come out in this game on Friday. I guess we're already skipping ahead to this, but uh, if they would come out with the same defensive game plan and back-to-back games, or if Popovich would want to switch things up. And Michael Malone said he's pretty confident that the Spurs are going to deploy the same defensive scheme against them in this upcoming game on Friday. Yeah, having Mason Plumlee out there you know, hurt, hurt the spacing, of course, you want to have as many shooters out there as possible if they're going to double Jokic and force you to kick the ball out. The obvious option would be Trey Lyles, but you know he's stunk it up from three all year, so I don't know. Maybe they do go small.
3: Yeah, weirdly, I mean, Jokic and Lyles are just a terrible combination. It it seems like on paper it should work for Denver, but it just doesn't at all. I mean, Lyles is is not hitting those spot up threes this year. The thing he really wants to do is attack closeouts. But yeah, I would. I guess I would be surprised if Denver made a change. But if it was me, I'd probably just slide Wancho over to the four. Maybe get Malik in there. Um You know the the thing with the, the Jamal, um, Torrey Craig, Wancho, and then Plumlee and Jokic starting five, if Jokic gets double in the post, I mean, how many of those other four guys can just, like, attack off the dribble when Jokic kicks it to him? Jamal Murray, that's pretty much it. I mean, Torrey Craig is not that much of a threat to attack off the dribble. He can cut and finish, and he can hit the occasional spot-up three. That's about it. Mason Plumlee, obviously not a threat. Wancho, I think, does a great job of cutting. We saw that last night, a great spot-up shooter, but... Again, and not a guy who's going to attack. I, I just think you need to be a little more dangerous, I guess, if, if they're going to bring that much heat on Jokic. Yeah, and you're missing two of your best attackers and Gary Harrison
1: and Will Barton right now and got some updates on their statuses and when they might be able to get back. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. I want to stay on Lyles for another moment. He had two really good games, I thought, or two of his better games of the season against Dallas and the Clippers, goes for 16 points, hits three threes against Dallas, goes for 13 points on 5-8 shooting in 18 minutes against the Clippers. He put up a dud, though, against San Antonio. Only 15 minutes, uh, the second lowest amount of minutes he's played in the month of December, or top, or third lowest, sorry, the, the third lowest amount of minutes he's played in the month of December. It's four points, didn't have it going from three. How surprising has Lyles' struggles been for you this season, specifically from three, because that's probably the biggest
3: part of his game that stands out. It's very surprising. I mean, I, I definitely thought he turned a corner with the way he played for those forty-four games. Paul Millsap was sidelined, shot yep. the three um, in the high thirties last year. Uh, it, it's it's really surprising that, he, especially he's he's struggled, you know, with those catch and shoot threes this year. I mean, I. I thought that Jokic and Lyles would be a pretty good combination. You know, I definitely thought that Lyles was at least an option down the road as the power forward of the future, and now I don't know about that at all. I mean, I'm I'm almost thinking the Nuggets should should definitely keep their ears open to trades at the deadline. Guess what Nikola Jokic and Trey Lyles' net
1: rating is when they're on
3: the court together. That's like a minus 9 per 100, right?
1: Yeah, it's exactly that. Good guess. Negative 9 Per 100 possessions, the worst by far out of any players pairing with Nikola Jokic. Who was the last player who was the only guy in on the team to have a negative net rating with Nikola Jokic? Oubre. Right. Everybody else in the Nuggets rotation have a, has a positive net rating with Jokic out on the floor, like you would think. Uh, but it, it hasn't been there for Lawson and Jokic this year. I don't know. It's it's befuddling. Really, the two should be a decent fit together, and it's weird we're seeing this year. And I guess maybe weird is the wrong word for it, but unfortunate for Lyles that he's posting this season in a contract year. This is a guy who's going to be a restricted free agent next summer. And we know the market for restricted free agents hasn't been exactly fruitful over the last couple of seasons. So it's coming at a bad time for Lyles. And I thought he might have been on the cusp of breaking out of things over these last couple games. In two games, you go, uh, four of seven from three against Dallas and the Clippers. Definitely not out of the, out in the clear in terms of his three-point shot by any means. But I thought he might have been on the road to breaking out of it. But yeah, this was a big step back in San Antonio. He's got to have a big bounce-back game here Friday. And you know, looking ahead here, when a Paul Millsap gets back and uh, when a Will Barton gets back maybe the Nuggets go a little small, and maybe Trey
3: Lyles gets cut out of the rotation here. Yeah, it's it's possible, and that that's crazy to say, but man, he, he's just struggled this year. You know, I think shot selection is a little bit of a part of it. I, I think that he takes a lot of shots very early in the shot clock, um, not as much in the rhythm of the offense as you would like to see, but I mean, he's got a great looking stroke. It's, it's just not going down.
1: I, I don't think his shot selection is that big of an issue. I think the thing is the Nuggets really want him to shoot it if he's open. That's probably why you see him taking a lot of open shots. Some of them might come early in the shot clock. They're saying to him, hey, you shot 37, 38% from three last year. We think you're that type of shooter. We need you to rediscover that stroke. I think that's why you're probably seeing him shoot a lot of shots maybe earlier in the shot clock than you would think.
3: Yeah, that seems to be the message Michael Malone is pretty much preaching up and down the line. If you're open, let it go. I mean... I don't. He's never really going to make guys feel bad for taking open shots. I mean, how how much have we heard him, you know, kind of say that line about Jamal Murray this year? Right. Don't think about it. Just keep shooting, even if you are struggling a little bit.
1: And how about Jamal Murray's struggles? Oof. Again, against San Antonio, can't really get it going. And it started bad for Murray in this game. It kind of got worse. Two for nine in the first quarter, I believe if my memory serves me right, and finishes 4-19 from three. We spoke about our concern level. It seems like we're doing this after every game, <laughs> but where's your concern level with Jamal Murray's three-point shot right
3: now? All right, be- before we get to that, I, I do want to play a little game. Uh, Jamal Murray shooting 28.5% from three, nearly five attempts per game. Uh, I'm just going just gonna to list off some guys here, and I want you to guess whether they're shooting a better or worse percentage than Jamal Murray from three, okay? Um this one was floating on Twitter. you are probably able to get this one. Markel Fultz. what do you think? Uh better or worse? I know he's worse.
1: We were in the same group text
3: where that message was sent last night. You mean he, Fultz is, is uh shooting better than Murray. Murray's worse. Yes, Murray's okay. worse. All right, yeah, we were in the same group text. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um Lonzo Ball. I will say he's shooting better than Murray. He is indeed. Thirty point seven percent, four point five attempts per game. I mean three, basically two percentage points higher and on a very similar number of attempts per game. Uh, that's a dude with a pretty crooked jump shot. That's not a great sign.
1: I'm familiar with Lonzo ball. Thank you. How about
3: Dennis Schroeder? Dennis
1: Schroeder. I'm going to say he's shooting better. He is indeed. (laughs) It's not, it's not hard to shoot better than 27% from
3: three, (laughs) 32.8% for Dennis Schroeder. And the last guy I got Stanley Johnson. What do you think Harrison? Oh god, Stanley
1: Johnson. All right, I'll go that. I'll go lower than Murray.
3: Better than Murray.
1: 28.6%. Probably should have by caught on to the just trend. Just a hair. There.
3: Yeah, all those guys it was it was kind of a trick question. All those guys are shooting the deep ball better than Jamal Murray. I have to say, I did not see this coming.
1: So what's the issue? Why isn't he shooting it better from 3? Why isn't he shooting it in the mid thirties or the upper thirties, like he did last year. Oh, I
3: have no idea. He's getting a ton of wide open looks. I mean, if you just he's getting the most wide open threes on the Nuggets. If you go look at NBA.com, I mean, he's just shooting the, those looks terribly this year. I I really don't get it. I mean, the history suggests that this guy should be a really good shooter. He made the second most threes ever uh, from a college freshman at Kentucky. You love that stat. <laughs> I, I mean, he's second behind Curry. Uh, I thought he was going to be Curry light kind of uh, shooting the ball. I mean, 37.5% last year, and especially the way he closed the year from from December on, you know, the line of thinking went, oh, he's going to have a whole summer to work on his game this year. He was pretty limited last summer coming off of surgery. He's going to go up another level. NBA GMs and executives apparently thought so too. They picked him to win most improved player in that preseason poll. And yeah, that just uh, has not come to fruition. I'm I still think this guy is going to I think he's going to end up in like the mid 30s this year. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a good shooter for his career, but I don't know, man. Uh, I I just don't get it. Yeah, it's baffling. There's no
1: really good explanation for it other than the fact that he's been banged up, uh, but I'm not willing to say that a couple ankle injuries here and there, a shin contusion is responsible for his three-point shooting dropping as much as it did. The wide open threes is where he's struggling the most right now. Like If you could pinpoint one area where he really hit shots at a pretty good rate last year and is not this year, it's probably the wide open three-point shooting. He hit 42.6% of his wide open threes last year, and this year he's hitting 30.4%. An unbelievable drop there to go from almost the mid-40s to around 30%. On wide open threes,
3: yeah. I mean, all summer we were talking about uh, Jamal Murray's got to take more of those pull up threes. That can be more of a weapon for him. Yeah. Well, don't remind me. He's uh, he's uh, remained a poor shooter on those pull up threes and regressed in a pretty big way on on those wide open catch and shoot threes. So, yeah, man, it, it's been rough, and he's really kind of magnified under that spotlight because there aren't a lot of guys to to take the scoring load off of him. I mean, if the Nuggets were at full strength and Jamal Murray's going through these struggles, it's cool because, all right, Will Barton, you, uh, you take a little more control of the offense. Gary Harris, you, you do your thing. Paul Millsap, but now it's pretty much just Jokic and Murray, and those guys have to deliver every night for, those, for the Nuggets to win.
1: Yeah. I do think getting Gary Harris back, getting Paul Millsap back, and, and getting Will Barton back is going to help Jamal Murray out a lot. Like, Jamal Murray probably has the most to gain out of anybody on the roster of those guys getting back, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Will Barton, we know how well he compliments Jamal.
1: And quick update on those guys before we get to break here. We spoke with Gary Harris and Paul Millsap at practice on Thursday. It's the first time they've been available to speak with the media since they were injured. That's a sign that they're getting close, that they were made available. And I'd have to say Gary Harris is the closest out of him and Paul Millsap and Will Barton to getting back, I'd say Paul Millsap is in the same ballpark on the same kind of timeline as uh, Gary. And then Will Barton is a little further behind those guys, but they're not playing Friday. I'm not sure if they're going to play in that back to back, but I'm going to hold steady on my January 1st prediction uh, for at least those two to return to the lineup.
3: Okay. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, uh, probably a week ago, I was I was thinking that Will Barton would probably be the first of those three to return. Michael Ballone said a couple games ago, oh, you know, maybe seven to 10 days, but it wasn't a firm t- timetable by any means. And now it's looking like Gary and Millsap are going to be back ahead of him. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense that neither Gary nor Millsap had to have surgery like Barton did, but still.
1: Yeah, I think Will just wants to take it really slow with this recovery and the fact that it's a surgery. Like you said, those other guys didn't have a surgery. And the fact that it's really his first significant injury slash surgery, I think he wants to make sure he's coming back when he's 100% healthy. And the fact that Nuggets have a little bit of a cushion right now, I mean, not the cushion they had two games ago before they lost two in a row, but they're still in a good spot in the West. They're still at the top of the conference here, more than the third of the way through the season. They don't need Will Barton to come back and rush back by any means. And also, with all these guys, with Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Barton, they don't need these guys to come back and instantly start scoring 20, 25 points a night. They can ease those guys back into things. So it's, it's comforting for the Nuggets, I guess, in a
3: sense. My wish, it's not really resolution. My wish for 2019 is that we finally see this freaking starting five play a bit together a bunch. Because so we've got taste right. it here and there, and it's been great. But we haven't got like a, a full meal, a full meal yet or anything like that.
1: Yeah, we're probably still gonna have to wait a bit. I mean, even when a Gary Harris and Paul Millsap get back, I gotta think they come off the bench for a game or two. They get eased into things, and then Will Barton, same thing. So maybe middle late January. That's when. We start to see that
3: starting five again. I feel like February is always the Nuggets' month. It has right. been the past two years. Maybe, maybe a uh, just a ball in February again this year. Right. You
1: hope they get on the floor before February because, I mean, that's kind of setting up for the stretch run of the season, the last couple months of the regular season there. So you want to make sure your guys are, are finding their rhythm. You know, sometime in the month of February. But yeah, we'll see. Let's go ahead and hit a break real quick. We'll touch on this game a little more. I want to discuss Jokic's night uh, a little further and also what the Nuggets can do here on Friday in this rematch against the Spurs to get a win. We'll be right back.
0: This podcast is presented by Inwego, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right. As many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spanos here, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows. So it's literally changed my life. <laughs>
0: if it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good: we've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com/BSN. Or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50.
1: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo, Thursday edition of the show. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here recording Thursday evening we're watching that Houston Boston game before we started recording two things well one's a statement and one's a question for you one I don't think anybody in the league is playing better than James Harden right now and two who would you least like to see the Nuggets face in a first round series in the Western Conference oh man James Harden is incredible how many times did he get fouled attempting a three-pointer in the fourth quarter alone was it three? Yeah, it seemed like he was getting fouled almost every possession.
3: Guys just can't not foul him on those step back three pointers. Harden is incredible. I mean, I would not want to have to be have to guard him in space like that. It would be terrifying. I whenever I'm watching him at home, I just start giggling when he when he goes between his legs a couple of times like that. It's like it's like watching a predator play with his food before he eats it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh part two to that? Man, I th- I think I'm with you. It's probably the Rockets, right? I mean, the, s- the spread pick and roll with Harden running it is just going to be death for Denver. I ranked the eight current playoff teams in
1: the West eight through one in terms of who the Nuggets easiest first round opponent would be to their hardest, or I guess seven to one. And I put the Rockets as the hardest opponent right now, even though when I recorded that, they were in the eighth spot. Now they're up to the sixth and, you know, are rising quickly. They're eight and two in their last 10. I gotta think they're going to be at the top of the West here pretty soon. I think the Rockets are probably the toughest first round opponent for Denver, followed by the Warriors, then the Lakers, then the Thunder. Uh, Then I'd throw the Spurs in there just because they're the Spurs and they're so tough at home. I would hate to go against Greg Popovich in a playoff series. And then I'd probably go Portland and then the Clippers. I wouldn't be too worried about a first round matchup with the Clippers. If I'm um, Denver, that's probably their easiest opponent. Portland would be tough, though. But, I mean, anybody in this West, it's probably going to be a tough first-round matchup.
3: Yeah, Harden, Harden is on another level right now. I mean, he, he's just incredible. It, it took 18 threes in that game. He, he made nine of them. I think I saw that all of his field goals were, were unassisted in that game. I mean, imagine going for 45 and all of your buckets were unassisted. yeah
1: that wouldn't work on the Nuggets let me tell you that (laughs) Harden's got to have such a mental edge over a lot of teams right now you got to know you just got to have in the back of your mind when you're out defending him up past the three-point line and he's putting you in the mix like he does that's got to be terrifying I I wonder if he's got that mental edge over Denver right now because the Nuggets haven't beat the Spurs in San Antonio uh, 12 times it's been a while since they've beaten the Rockets uh, anywhere.
3: I think Harden's got a, a case, pretty strong one, is the best one-on-one player since, uh, since MJ.
1: I'm not going to fight you on that. I mean, who would even be in the conversation other than that? Kobe. Kobe, LeBron, Durant, some of the best scorers that you think of. But, yeah, I, Harden's right up there. I, I wouldn't have an argument with you there.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he's a better passer than Kobe and just – the ability to knock down the three off the dribble like you can, uh, I mean, guarding him would be miserable. Like hell is having to play one-on-one, make it, take it against James Harden.
1: Yeah. The passing part of Harden's game is what gets overlooked. He's one of the best pick and roll passers of all the time, of all time. One of the best pocket passers of all time, for sure. Unbelievable how he can hit the roll man, wherever he is on the floor. Let's get back into this Nuggets game though. The loss to the Spurs the other night, the Biggest standout, I'd say, from a Nuggets perspective, was Wancho, and it was great to see Wancho at going. What did you think of his night? He was able to bounce back from a little bit of a mini cold streak from three, and really was one of the few Nuggets who hit consistently
3: from beyond the arc. Another hypothetical for you: if if Wancho Hernan Gomez's jump shot was a girl, what would it look like? What would she look like? Ariana Grande, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Wancho, six of seven from three. I mean, this dude it was just made in the lab to play alongside Nicole Jokic. Their, yeah. their chemistry is just ridiculous. I mean, Jokic kicking to Wancho on the perimeter, but like also Wancho kind of sneaking in for those post-ups and Jokic finding him inside too. I mean, take a Wancho off-ball cut
1: where Jokic hits him on the pass, just a straight dime from Denver's big man, and compare that to how that same action looks when Torrey Craig's running it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that ball's definitely ain't to Wancho. It's probably resulting in a lamp or a dunk. How many turnovers did Jokic have throwing the Torrey Craig last night? I think it was two of his five came on passes to Torrey Craig, where those guys just weren't on the same page.
3: Well, another oddity in Wancho's game that I, I never really noticed until this year whenever he's finishing at the rim, he almost prefers his left hand over his right hand. He had that, that wild one handed left hand finish last night. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. to ask him about that, and he was just like, yeah, there's there's nothing special about it, but he's great left-handed finisher inside.
1: Yeah, it was great that he got it going from three again. Like I mentioned, he came into this game in a little bit of a slump, six of seven. I mean, Wancho's just also the guy who you love watching. That's why I'm so happy he's in the rotation this season. He's a guy you just enjoy watching out there how springy he is, how much joy in his spirit is so awesome in the game. And yeah, his chemistry with Jokic is top-notch. It's an international thing, I'm telling you. These international guys just play better with one another. It's just a style of play. It's an understanding of the game. It's an unselfishness too, which both those guys definitely have. Yeah,
3: there's like a rhythm to it almost. Mm -hmm. It's like it's almost like soccer, the way they put together passing patterns in soccer. Kind of the timing reminds me of that, the way like you see Wancho and, and Jokic do their thing, and the way those Spurs teams used to pass the ball. Um, Jokic has assisted on 35% of Wancho's made field goals this year. So a little more than one in three of Wancho's made shots are, are coming off a of Jokic assist.
1: Yeah, a.k.a. if he's not... Playing with Nikola Jokic, he's probably not going to get a ton of great looks.
3: Yeah. Um. So basically, if Jokic is going to be your guy for the next five years, uh, I'm not sure if this is allowed in the CBA, but I think you should offer ten year contracts to Monte Morris and Wancho. Is that allowed? Can you look that up right now?
1: I don't think that's allowed. Um. It's probably called the uh, Bobby Bonilla rule.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love having those guys as kind of tangential role players, um, playing in this Jokic system. Wancho. I mean, it's been like this from day one, too. Wancho is just a perfect fit playing against Jokic. I mean, who can forget him going for 27 against the Warriors as a rookie? Yeah,
1: the the Wancho contract extension, uh, they've still got a bit, but that's going to be interesting when when that does happen. I guess they could extend him next fall right before the season starts, he's going to be in that Trey Lyles territory.
3: It's funny too. I mean, we spent all summer just talking about our predictions and we pay pretty close attention to this team. We think we have a pretty good idea. And here we are in Monte Moore shooting 45%. Jamal Murray shooting 28% from three yep. Wancho, who we thought was going to be phased out of the rotation. There's just, no. no
1: I, I, don't, I don't know if I thought he was going to be phased out. No, I don't okay, know. I thought minutes. Would I, be I hard remember, to I remember saying pretty specifically if Wancho gets a chance He's gonna run with it. Sure right. enough, he did.
3: I think I think you did say that. That might be uh, on the record. I mean, I, I've always loved Wancho. I've been really, really high in him. I just didn't see how there was gonna be an opportunity for right. him. But um,
1: it, it was a little hazy if he was gonna get that chance. But you had to think eventually. There's gonna be some injury. Little did we know. Three of the Nuggets' five stars are going to be wiped out two months into the season. There's probably going to be some injury that comes along that that gives him a shot, and he'd be able to run with it. But yeah, it, the opportunity wasn't completely there at the beginning of the season. He was getting a couple minutes here and there, but nothing like he's gotten over the last few weeks. Yeah, and and he's
3: played well, you know, mostly playing at small forward as well. I I thought it would be difficult for him and. Maybe I just overthought that one a little bit. I mean, he's been fine guarding small forwards. Yeah. There are still times when he's pretty shaky. He loses focus after a couple of rotations, but he's done an adequate job for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, that might've gotten overblown by us and a lot of other people, because if you think about who these small forwards are, and granted he is in the starting lineup now, so he's guarding starting small forwards who are a bit higher caliber than some of the reserve starting forwards who'd be guarding if he was coming off the bench, but he can guard a Rudy Gay, you know, who's even playing the four for, uh, for San Antonio in those lineups. He can guard a Davis-Bertons. There's, there's a lot of backup small forwards who don't exactly scare you, you know, if you're a defender. Nuggets killer Davis-Bertons? Right. The most efficient player in basketball, Davis-Bertons. He came into this game averaging 1.3 points per possession. In everything, that's not like in the fast break or you know, on spot ups on everything. He's shooting 50% from three.
3: I looked up in the second quarter, and there were of the 10 players on the court, uh, there were seven different countries represented.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Yep. You know, me a big fan of
3: the international game. I love to see that. Yeah, I think it was uh, Pirtle was out there, Breton Latvia, right? Latvia, uh, Patty Mills. Australia was out there. Wancho, obviously, from Spain. Jokic from Serbia. Uh, I think I'm missing somebody, but...
1: Patty Mills from Australia.
3: Yeah. It's a global game, baby. (laughs) I'm I'm with it.
1: Derek White from Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about Nikola Jokic's night a bit more. He didn't get the shot at but... You said something at the top of the show that I agree with. I didn't feel like he played a bad game. And a lot of the narrative that came out of it, at least what I was hearing from fans and people texting me and hit me up on Twitter and whatnot, they were saying how this game kind of reminded them of the Memphis game where he only took one shot from the field. And I couldn't disagree more. Jokic was aggressive. That was the thing in this game. The Nuggets looked for him on the post. They got him the ball on the post on countless occasions I counted, I went back and rewatched the game late Wednesday night. I counted 16 possessions that Jokic got the ball where he was on the post with his back to the basket or he turned from, you know, the elbow or from the three-point line and made what I called a basketball move. You know, like they have football moves. He made a (laughs) basketball move to the hoop, like a dribble or a spin. On 14 of those 16 possessions... I'll call them. The Spurs brought double teams or triple teams. So, it wasn't because Jokic lacked aggression that his scoring numbers didn't look great. He was being aggressive and you know the other thing is Denver got a lot of open shots out of it. You know, Jokic was finding his teammates on the perimeter. Denver was doing a pretty decent job spacing the three-point line. Some of those shots just didn't go down.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets consistently got good looks and that's all you want out of your offense. I mean, it- You've just got to believe that that's a winning strategy long-term if you're doing that game after game after game. I mean, unfortunately, Jamal Murray, it was just a brick fest for him. I mean, if he plays an average game, nuggets are right in this one. They they probably win this if you, if you just get, you know, Jamal Murray going close to 50% from the field in this one. But I thought Jokic was fine, man. I mean, I don't want him forcing up shots if two or three guys are on him like that. Um, I mean, he, he did a fine job, and... Teams aren't going to be able to play the Nuggets this way once they're closer to full strength either because they've got guys who can dribble the ball. They can knock down that that spot-up shot. This is only something teams are going to be able to do to the Nuggets while they're this severely shorthanded. Exactly.
1: I mean, if you just look at the starting lineup, and say you sub Paul Millsap in there for Mason Plumley, and say you sub Gary Harris in there for Torrey Craig, or, or even in this circumstance, you sub Will Barton in there for Jamal Murray. Suddenly, you know, you have to come off Will Barton, who's shot around forty percent or thirty eight percent from three each of the last couple of years. You have to leave him to double Nicole Jokic instead of leaving Torrey Craig, who's a twenty five percent three point shooter. Uh, you've got to leave Gary Harris who shot 38%, 40% from three over the last couple of years and leave him wide open beyond the arc to double Jokic instead of leaving Jamal Murray, who's under 30% right now. So things can change. And I agree, this is probably a strategy that only works against an undermanned Nuggets team that's without three good shooters in Millsap, Harris, and Barton. I don't know if it's going to work later on this season or maybe even in a playoff setting if Denver does have a healthy roster. So it'll be interesting. It'll also be interesting to see how these teams adjust. Is there any way the Nuggets can get Nikola Jokic more shots if the Spurs are coming with a double like that? Michael Malone mentioned at practice today, maybe we need to just get them to shoot the ball quicker before the double gets there. That's kind of tough to do, I think. I'm not sure how you can really force that action quicker.
3: Yeah, I mean, Jokic isn't his game isn't really like he catches the ball in the post and he immediately makes a quick spin move to the basket. Like his his post game is very effective, but it's a very plotting. like I'm going to take like three dribbles and back my backside into you like five times and shoot this hook shot. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Jokic is so skilled and talented that I think – he could easily add just a quick move in his game, whether it's just like, I'm just going to take one dribble and put my shoulder into you and just shoot this hook shot. But I mean, that's the only thing I can think of too, is Yoka is just makes moves a, l- a little bit quicker before that double team's able to get there.
1: Let's go ahead and hit another break real quick. We'll wrap up with some final thoughts on this game and look ahead to Friday's rematch. We'll be right back here on the BSN Nuggets podcast
0: Arthur, and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.
1: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here on a Thursday evening. The last point I want to make about this Rematch Friday, it's a Unique and a pretty cool opportunity for this young Nuggets team that doesn't have a ton of playoff experience because Michael Malone said it Thursday morning. He compared this two game home and home to a playoff environment in the sense that you're playing the same opponent back to back. The scouting that you're doing right now for the Spurs in terms of taking what happened in this first game, making adjustments watching a ton of film and then you know, crafting a new game plan for this game on Friday is similar to what the Nuggets would do in the playoffs if they were up against a team like the Spurs in a series. So it's a cool opportunity to get that vibe. And I talked with a couple of players about it and I think it's good to get that experience now. So at least guys can see what it would be like scheming and uh, watching film and game planning for a team in the playoffs potentially this season or hopefully this season for Denver. And there's not a ton of playoff experience on this roster aside from Paul Millsap and Mason Plumlee's played in some playoff games back in Brooklyn and in Portland. But other than that, not a ton of experience. Michael Malone has a lot of experience in the playoffs. Coach LeBron James for five years in Cleveland. But other than that, not a ton of experience. So I think it's a cool situation here. Obviously, you would hope a home-and-home two-game set against a team you're probably competing with for the playoffs would come when you're healthier and that the Nuggets' rash of injuries wouldn't overlap into both these meetings. But still, it's a good opportunity and scheming and tweaking your game plan against a team like the Spurs and a coach like Greg Popovich, I think that can set this team up good for the playoffs in future months.
3: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I've seen some people out there still... I guess be a little skeptical of Jokic um, in the playoffs because I guess there's a line of thinking that Jokic is going to get put in the in the high pick and roll every single time, and that the Nuggets' offense might get slogged down just because teams are going to be playing those back cuts a little bit more. They're going to be more cognizant of that. Um, what are, just what are your thoughts on, on you know Jokic maybe being a little more limited than than he is during the regular season cup playoff time?
1: I think there's definitely the potential for teams to hurt him in the playoffs. I'm not as worried as I was last year because he he showed things this year in terms of having quicker foot speed and just more of a desire to defend, especially out in space that he did not show last year. Uh, But still, I'd be pretty worried about him if the Nuggets matched up with the Warriors or the Rockets in the first round, teams that can go that action and have done it a lot in playoff settings over the last couple of years. Uh, So it's still a concern for sure. And uh, it's something that the Nuggets will have to navigate if they do go up against a team that does that a lot. And I'm sure whatever first-round opponent they will go up against will try to break down Jokic that way. But I'm not as concerned about it as I was a year ago. It's still something that I'd be a little worried about, though.
3: Yeah, Jokic has, has improved by leaps and bounds on the defensive end. I still do worry about like the Rockets putting him in pick and roll after pick and roll. Yeah, I'm not worried about Jokic's offense at all. Though I, I don't subscribe to that theory at all. That Jokic is going to be isn't going to be as effective on the offensive end. This dude is an offensive genius, and he's going to figure out a way to to really impact the game.
1: Right, and a strategy like this maybe this is something you see in the playoffs where you double down on Jokic and make his teammates beat you. But if the Nuggets are healthy, I don't think that's a strategy that works, like we said a couple minutes ago. like Let Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, and a healthy nine or 10-man Nuggets rotation beat you. Good luck with that, I'd say.
3: Yeah. there's, I mean, everyone is just a capable offensive player uh, when the Nuggets are at full strength. But I'm... I mean, I've already been encouraged by what I've seen from Jokic in big games. He was the best player on the floor in that do-or-die regular season game against Minnesota last year. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. And, I mean, I don't want to talk about it like it's a lock or anything, but they should make the playoffs this year, right? All
1: right, well, I think that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the game against the Spurs on Friday. You know who's performing at halftime, don't you, Christian?
3: Huge day for you. 303. A let's big day. go. It's
1: a big day, throwback to my high school days. Uh, very excited. Trying to get on the floor, trying to start a mosh pit.
3: Are we getting at a, halftime? Are we getting a three oh three oral history or anything
1: like that? No, I don't think you're gonna get that from me. Okay. Unless something unless something goes crazy. We'll see. All right, that's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with another episode recapping this game on Friday. Talk to you then.
2: Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to BSNBars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bar bartender, the VIP image on that page in your browser, and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsnbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network.